Hi friends, welcome to the Partnership Podcast, exploring gospel partnership and generosity in the Bible, alongside stories of support raising from around our fellowship. We pray you'll be encouraged by it. Well, hi everyone and welcome to our first episode of the new season of the Partnership Podcast and thanks Phil for joining me for this chat. Hello, (laughs) thanks Kat. Today we're going to be talking about 1 Corinthians 9, 1 to 14, which I think is one of the most important support raising passages in the Bible and Paul's defense to the Corinthians about his rights to material support. Uh, Let's pray together before Phil reads the passage for us. Our dear Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God of partnership and we pray as we talk about this passage today that you'd help us as your people to be arranged the way that the Lord Jesus has commanded. Help us to share and express our fellowship appropriately, seeing an interdependent relationship and a sharing of material and spiritual blessings. Please encourage us as we listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kat. So this is 1 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to read verses 1 through to 14. Paul speaking, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever ploughs and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. I'm always so struck in this passage by what strong language of rights it is, Mm. which I think is partly because of the context that Paul's talking about um, food sacrifice to idols and the Corinthians Mm. might not always make use of their rights. And he uses himself here as an example of um, how to navigate having rights. But Mm. when we think about this as a passage about support raising and about uh, material support for gospel workers, it's just such strong language of rights that he's using. 
Uh, he says, um, don't we have the right to our food and drink, the right to be accompanied by a believing wife? Only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working. Um, and down in uh, verse 12, he speaks about the rightful claim that he has to yes. uh, reap material benefits. It's just such strong rights language, which is unusual um, in our Christian context. Yeah, that's right. Forgive the bad pun, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And it's interesting, um, the examples he gives backs that up as well, in a sense. It's kind of a natural outflowing as well. Um, and he's quoting, yeah, yeah. lots yeah. of different ways. But, yeah, it, it is. I, I think it's in the context as well, as he said. Like, he's just been finished talking about love and now, yeah, talking about rights. And, of course, the Corinthian church was all about rights. Um, all of, they, they probably knew their rights to the and kind of pushed them um, to the nth degree. Um, the context. So yeah, Paul's speaking to them definitely about his rights, but he's talking about giving them up, isn't he? Yes. Yes. And I, I, there is a part of me as a support raising coach who feels endlessly frustrated that the time in the Bible that Paul most clearly expresses his comprehensive argument for material support for gospel workers is in the context where he's decided that he's not going to accept them. But I also feel like that's very like Paul. That, um, <laughs> it's only at that time when he said he's not going to accept them that he's willing to um, yes. articulate the argument so strongly. Um, and certainly I think as we're going mm. into conversations with partners, we would not lay it out like this in a context where we were planning to ask them. It's not a, he's not here <laughs> asking for support, but he is saying that he has the right to. I'm struck as well mm. just by how comprehensive his argument is that yep. he's um, like making an argument from the example of the other apostles, like the yep. um, the other apostles and Barnabas, the mm -hmm. Lord and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. Yep. Um, he makes the argument from kind of just the secular world to say, uh, you know, those who are working in military service or tending mm -hmm. a vineyard or a flock, yep. that all of them would have... There's that sense of sharing, like there would mm. be a sharing in the fruit of what they're doing, um, not just paying for it themselves. But then also moving on to saying it's actually coming from the law. Mm. And that fascinating verse about oxen, yeah. where he, uh, the NRSV says he, that God is writing entirely for our sake. And um, on my reading, first reading of the law, I'd have assumed he was actually talking about oxen, but um, <laughs> he actually wrote that in the law, Moses, um, in the law for our sake, so that we would understand that the sharing nature of what's going on, that if mm. people are ploughing, they'd plough in hope and those who thresh should thresh in hope of a share in the crop. Um, mm. Yeah. And then moving on to say it's not just Moses writing in the law about oxen that's applied to this, but actually the whole sacrificial system that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the altar, those who serve at the altar share in what's sacrificed. Yes. And again, it's that kind of reciprocal sharing relationship. Um, I think he articulates it in verse 11. If, the, that if we've sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? That there should be a relationship between material blessings and spiritual blessings. <clears throat> mm. And in verse 14, I think such a clear way thing connection yes that in the same way as the sacrificial system worked 
um, the Lord has commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. I think that's my favourite, not favourite, I think that's one of the clearest articulations of um, this of a support raising model that yes. we see um, in the Bible yes. and also one that links the Old Testament and New Testament kind of connects our theology together. Yeah, wow. Yep. I, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think it's, it's really strongly put. And I think it's interesting. I've always had this thought, you know, um, having been a missionary and having to have that faith-based missionary support, I've, I've thought about, you know, what's it like missionary and financial dependence and then staff and that same sort of um, financial partnership of depending on God's people to provide. And then I think about ministers as well. And, you know, all of us have a financial partnership. Ultimately, it comes from God and God provides through his people. But it doesn't matter whether you're the minister of a church uh, or a missionary going out. I think all of us rely on God to provide through his people in this exact same way here um, that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So it's just in a church context, they just systematize it much more. And there's a little bit of a distance between the, the pastor and you know, his wages, it goes into the, the pot or the system or sends it and then it gets through the accounting and then comes back to him. But it's in the same mm. way. Um, so it is the pattern that, you know, whether you're a pastor, worker or a missionary, um, yeah, it's this same way that we're reliant on God to provide through his people. Um, yeah. And it keeps coming back to, yeah, I, I think that's super clear. But as you said right at the beginning, is strong about rights, but Paul's given them up <laughs> voluntarily. <laughs> he's chosen to give up. It reminds me of the time when he and Silas are in prison, you know, and he could have ran out free when the Lord set them free, and, you know, breaking off their chains, but they didn't. Voluntarily, they stayed there. And that was for gospel reason, because mm. he wanted to kind of evangelize and to the jailer. Um, and it led to him and his whole family believing. So why do you think, Kat, Paul has voluntarily chosen not to do his rights here? What's your thinking here? Yeah, and I think there's a few different theories that I've read. I think some people talk about him only receiving support when he's not in a particular location, so not receiving mm -hmm. support to minister among them. I don't see that as much it seems to me um with the corinthians um and also with the thessalonians he received refuses to receive support that in both those cases there was something that would have hindered the gospel if he'd received support from them um mm. so with the thessalonians i think it's that they had it they were not keen to work and they weren't seeing the goodness of working for your own living there was some people who were just relying on others too much and so he actually set them an example of working um, and I think here there's something um, he talks later in 2 Corinthians at the end of 2 Corinthians um, about how there seems to be an accusation of exploitation so he's saying um, we didn't take advantage of you and when we sent Titus and sent the brother with him he didn't take advantage of you um, and so in 2 Corinthians 12, that is. And there seems to be this whole yep. accusation around money and around mm. Paul taking advantage of them. And I think also some of this, 
relationship that the Corinthians had with the super apostles set up categories of mm. maybe patronage and of power dynamics that Paul's just trying to sidestep here with the Corinthians. Yep. But still, it's really interesting because the Corinthians are some of the people he talks to most about generosity in 2 Corinthians mm. 8 to 9. Yep. And so although he's not here wanting to accept personal support from the Corinthians, he is really keen in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And even in mm. um, 1 Corinthians 15, he, 15, 16, just at the end of the letter, he reminds them yep. to make sure they're setting aside money for the collection to the saints. Um, yeah. He's really concerned that they be generous and generous towards the ministry project that he's involved with, taking mm. money to the saints in Jerusalem. Um yeah, so I think it's the power dynamic here um, mm. that he's giving it up. And there's something as well in um, the, the rest of this chapter 9 uh, that he feels so compelled to do this that one of the only freedoms he has is to do it free of charge. Um, yeah, his mm. reward is to do, give the, make the gospel available free of charge. So he's not making full use of his rights in the gospel. But even in that verse 18, he's talking about the rights that he has to support. And I think um, yep. he's very clear to make sure as you read this passage that you don't feel like the other apostles or Peter or the brothers of the Lord would be doing a wrong thing in accepting that support. And even, I mean, you see Jesus in the gospels modeling this by accepting support from the women who yep. are traveling yep. around with him. And when Paul sends out workers, he sends them out asking them to stay with people and to accept that material provision through those he's staying with. So there's no mm. sense in which Paul's saying it would be wrong to accept this support. In fact, this is the way the Lord's yep. arranged it or that he's ordered it or he's commanded it. Um, yeah. But there's particular situations in which we might sometimes need to give up that right if it would not benefit those who are giving yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think you pointed it out to me one time, Kat, when we were talking, which was mm. in the different church context and different ministry context, Paul goes about this partnership, financial partnership differently. So in the case of the Philippians, which we all know is such a joyful letter and it's got mm. a lot to speak about partnership there. Um, he's actually, they are the ones on the front foot. They're the ones that generously you know, want to give to him, not out of obligation, but joyfully. And he accepts it and sees it as a fragrant offering. Um, so mm. I think, yeah, Paul, in his interactions with all the different churches, uh, depending on their spiritual maturity and depending on their, you know, societal context, it sounds like he he adapts, you know, Paul um, doesn't change the gospel, but he contextualizes and works out, you know, what's going to be best for them. Uh, mm. You know, as he says in 1 Corinthians, the big principle of love. And I think he's applying that to the Corinthians here, isn't he? So out of love, his, what he ought to do is to give up this right, so to speak. Um, but that's for this context. What do you yeah. think about for our context? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about, um, how do you use the, the rights of, um, mm. of a ministry worker here, of those who preach the gospel for a living? Um, I think that uh, this passage is particularly helpful for shaping our thinking and for shaping our pa potential partners' thinking, but not necessarily mm. when we're in conversation. So I want all of yep. our workers 
to think carefully through this passage and to feel convicted of the goodness and the mm. wisdom yep. and um, just the truth that gospel workers have a right to material support. Because yep. if we don't feel convinced of that, it's very difficult to feel like we're inviting people into a good thing. And if, mm. if our potential partners have not, you know, feel awkward about that, um, if we also feel awkward, that's really just contributes to awkwardness mm. all around. Whereas if we're feeling very convicted that what we're doing is a good thing that God is asking gospel workers mm. to do, then that puts us in a very different headspace. So I think it's really helpful to think about in terms of our headspace, just entirely apart from any kind of conversations. I also yep. think it's really helpful for potential partners, and maybe this is easiest with students who will one day be graduates to actually teach mm. on this kind of passage when it comes up in the flow of to, you know teaching 1 Corinthians and teaching through the New Testament mm. to make sure that our students are really well formed in understanding the reciprocal relationship and the kind of flow of material right um, benefits and spiritual benefits that those mm. who teach should expect this and that means that God's people as a as churches need to be expecting Yes. That God that God expects them actually to support those. Um, I think it probably yes. has um, implications for those we set aside for ministry as well. <laughs> like mm -hmm. being really careful that we make sure we really are setting aside good people who yep. we that when we're saying we're setting people aside for ministry, um, there's actually then we're giving them like a right to expect support. Um, but I wouldn't use these this mm. language of rights in a conversation with a potential partner, um, having internalized, reflected on and yep. internalized it to allow the confidence that comes from that. Um, mm. But I think it would just be awkward in our context culturally to go in saying, I have a right to support, you need to give it to me <laughs> because it just comes yeah. across as proud and arrogant. But I, you're really internalizing the message is, I think, important. Yeah. It, as you're saying, it's it's part of how we think about partnership and how it kind of forms that kind of theology of partnership and our background. And then it's the outflowing and it's interesting. Like it's basically Paul linking spiritual with, um, um, financial physical things, um, is, is great. And it's kind of that generosity of the gospel flows into, um, you know, having understood the gospel and the, generous heart of God flows into our hearts also being generous um, in ways such as this. Mm. Well, I think as well, um, yeah, I think though, just on the conversation of rights, it's really important mm. for us to remember that although gospel workers, ministry workers have a right to be supported by the churches, that's not necessarily a right that extends to every single individual in the churches. So uh -huh. I think we could expect to be supported and yet actually there's a freedom for each individual supporter to decide whether or not they yes. can give. Yes, um, yes. Oh, I love this passage. I feel like we could talk about it for a long time. But <laughs> Phil, I'm wondering <laughs> if you would be happy to um, pray for us as we finish up. I would love to do that, Kat. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we think through what you're saying to us in 1 Corinthians 9, we pray, Father, having heard your good word to us about that we it is right and good and proper that those who minister, um, who preach the gospel, should receive their living from the gospel. That's a command from you, the way that Paul puts it. 
Um, we just pray, Father, that our hearts would deeply know this and understand this, yet also um, be willing to understand our own context we're in and um, be confident enough to know the, the right situation, especially as Kat was just saying um, when we're talking about individuals as opposed to churches. We pray, Father, help us to have the gospel and this principle here to shape our hearts and our minds um, and be like Paul, be wise in, in how we go about um, connecting with individuals and churches. Uh, and we pray all this for your glory and your name be great. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. We pray you'll be encouraged by this. Bye.